for this Moses Moments four-week series about the life of Moses. And this is going to be a good one because this is a point we all get as we escape the Egyptians, like me in the car this morning with Taz, as we escape the Egyptians on Highway K or wherever we were. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not, it's not, they weren't really Egyptians, people. It's a joke because we're talking about the Exodus and, okay. So, so we all have heard the story of Moses going through the Red Sea with the Israelites and the waters part. And woo, that's so cool. But do you know what it was like to be there in that thing? Let's go to Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 31. And this is a lot, so I'm going to, I'm going to go pretty quick here. Caleb, when you're ready, say Amen. Amen. Okay, I think he said it. Okay, that's my son. We just got family everywhere here. Then the angel of the Lord, verse 19, who God had been traveling in front of Israel's army. He, the angel had been in front of the army to this time, leading them through the waters. They had just escaped Egypt. God told Moses to take the people out. This was after the plagues, a little context here. And now Moses has parted the seas, and they're going through the waters. So... Let me start again. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming in between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the uh, other all night long. Okay, so this, at this point, they've already gone into the Red Sea. It's already parted, and now they've got to, like, take a nap to finish the journey. And so what God did is he put an angel of the Lord between him and the en- between them and the enemy so they could sleep at night before they continue on the next day and it gets ugly. They got to have their you know their electrolytes replenished. It says then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Everybody just like stretch something. Just like stretch an arm. He stretched it out over the sea and all night the Lord drove the sea back with strong east wind and turned it into dry land where the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on the ground. I'm jumping out of order here. And the wall of water on their right and their left. Okay, so the waters have gone up and now they're in here. The Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. So as they're going through, he jammed up the Egyptians' chariots. He jammed the wheels of the chariots, verse 25. So they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. The Lord is on their side, is what they're saying. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out again his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived, but the Israelites went through the sea onto dry ground with a wall of water on their right and left side. This is so good. Then the day of the, the, day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptian, the people feared the Israelites feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Remember, the Israelites to this time had never been the most complying group of people to Moses and his command. They were kind of like making them mad on a regular basis. And this is the first time they were scared in a good way. They're like, this is, 
this is weird. To, to give you a snapshot one more time here, they had left Egypt. God told them to get up and go, and you need a shortcut to get out fast enough, he said, or you'll never make it. So he parted the sea as Moses acted in faith with his stretched out arm and staff, and the waters parted, and then they camped out while they're going through the journey, and the clouds separated the evil from the good and protected them, and then they finished the journey. Moses closed up the sea by faith, and the Israelites made it through, and the Egyptians did not. My title for week three today is Stretch It Out. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. Y'all need to, do we need to do some calisthenics in here? Do we need to warm something up? Stretch it out. Okay. When you get my age, I never thought I'd say that. If you don't stretch it out once in a while, surgery bills come later. You got to stretch, okay? God wants to stretch you. But we're not rubber bands, okay? He don't do it all at once. He does it in little movements. When you stretch like before a workout or something, do you just go all in and like my daughter and go right into the splits? No, Kaylee. Do it slowly. Do it in steps so you slowly stretch into something new, okay? It's the same spiritually. Does anybody like stretching? Do we have any yoga people in here? Do we have any downward dog or um, child's, child's pose or... Um, Warrior one, warrior two people. Remember uh, Tony Horton back in the day, P90X? That man was a freak of nature. Me and Michelle got married. We tried doing P90 for like two minutes, and I thought we about kicked the bucket. And here's Tony, the older guy, just making us real, feel really wimpy. Anyway, he's on tonal now, in case you all want to follow him again. He's a little thinner and older, but, man, dude's 63 and looks good. I'm totally jelly at my age right now. Anyway, stretching is a great thing if we do it the correct way. The Bible shows us that when we are stretching spiritually, we are growing spiritually. And the key thing to observe through this uh, stretching process is that God doesn't stretch us all at once, but rather through moments and movements that cause us to see him in a new way in bite-sized increments. That's why we call it One Seed Church. It's bite-sized increments of seed planting. Rome wasn't built in a day, they say. God doesn't stretch you all at once because you, you break. He stretches you within the capacity that he's got you at, and you think you're going to break, and God says, I got just a little bit more than that. And that's where God will stretch you at if you let him. And our willingness to stretch it out shows God that we are active with our faith, just like Moses and his staff. He didn't part the waters until Moses responded in faith by stretching his hand out over the waters. God did not do it until Moses did it first. Y'all tracking? You got to do something. Quit saying, God, change me, but do it for me. God says, you got to respond to my call to see it. And so that's a hard thing to do in our very comfortable society when we've got everything at our fingertips and we've got nice soft hoodies, Chris. It's just so comfortable, it's hard to want to get out and stretch it and do something and be used by God. But without God, every time he reached out his hand, Moses, it was just a stick. But with God, waters moved. The enemy was defeated and the path to promised land became more apparent and they got closer. So my question to you this morning is, are you willing to stretch so God can cover the rest? Every time you stretch, God is moving. Every I've had 
let me just talk about it. I'm, a, I'm like a, what is it, a bionic boy or something. I've had neck injury. I've had three shoulder injuries. I've had two, two knee surgeries. I've had some kind of surgery here in my, I don't know. And so, so like, if I don't stretch, it's, it's not working. And so I always got to stretch, and I'm getting lazy with my stretching. And so what I'm noticing is things get worse when I stop stretching. And you can be the greatest churchgoer, but you're not a stretching uh, disciple. And there's a difference. And you were meant to stretch as a disciple. And if you're not stretching, you're just attending a show. And that's good at the beginning. I don't, tell, I don't tell Camilla to get it together when she's 11 months old almost because she's my baby. And I say, you need to stretch more. She's rubbery anyway. I'm saying, but when she gets a little older, I'm going to say, now you pray out of your heart. That works for a season. Now God needs to stretch you a little more. That works for a season. And now when they get a little older, I'm going to say, okay, how about you pray over dinner? Okay, how about, how about you, you put your hand on them and pray for them? We're going to stretch them a little more. God wants to keep stretching us. But we don't stretch them all at once. Because that won't end good. You've got to warm up the spirit. And as the spirit gets warm, things get more stretchy. It starts with a stretch. The power underneath Moses' command, his stretch, was faith. It wasn't the act. There is a huge mistake people make with things, thinking the thing has power. The Bible is a book. The power in the Bible is the word that's on the pages, okay? So I remember one time I had a lady, and she didn't like it. I had notes in my Bible when I was like 20-something working at a desk, and, and she said, oh, don't write in that. I'm like, well, it's just paper. No, that's God's word. I'm like, God's word doesn't live on paper. God's word is just alive. I didn't say that, but I'm thinking, what? it's just paper, you know. And because, because they've learned to think the value is in the, is in the inanimate object, but the value is through the act of faith that the object represents, just like the staff. It's just a stick. But Moses had to respond or the waters wouldn't move. And might I add, they thought he was crazy to stick his arm out and watch some water move. So crazy they were terrified in the end. He just rescued all of them. They didn't even understand it. They were reverently fearful. That's a good kind of fear. I mean, how silly it must have looked. Even Moses was probably like, stick my hand out. You're God. Why do I got to do that? Like, stick my hand out. Why are you going to make me participate in this? Because that's how faith works. That's how God does it. If we don't participate, God does not do it. He, I used to get mad at God, and finally God said, it's not me, it's them. Because they won't reciprocate it. God says, I'm able to do it, but until they have mustard seed faith, nothing can happen. And I said, finally, I understand now, God. I, all this time I thought you weren't doing nothing. Just in life, you know, like we don't see the fruit of it, and we think God's not active, but God says you got to stretch it out first. Y'all getting this? We preach this a lot, because it's, it's the mission it's what, it was trust that caused the thing to happen through the sign of obedience. It's like baptism. It's, it's the symbolic of what's happening in the spirit when we immerse in the physical. It's symbolic. And there's trust in that. It's a sign of obedience. God says, when you obey my word, you are my disciples. He says, he says, I love you as a friend, and as a friend, you obey my word back. That's what Jesus says. He says, if you're my friend... You know, we think of Michael W. Smith, I am a friend of God. It's so happy. And that's good, too. But he says, if you don't obey my word, you're not really my friend, is what, what John said. Remember that in First John series? Like, that's pretty, that's pretty strong because God wants your heart so bad. 
And if you don't reciprocate with your behavior, your heart, he's saying, I don't know about this relationship. Because it shows. It shows. So Moses, if you really want to see this happen, stick your hand out. And so he did. And God shocked them all. God requires our response. Even when he's got something good for you, he requires our response. It's not like Facebook Marketplace where they say, can you come to me? And you say, no, I'm selling the thing to you. You come to me. Can you come to me too? God's people, quit saying, can you come to me, God, and do it for me and make my bed and sleep in it for me and cook my food? God says, stretch out your hand in a little bit of faith, and I'll do all those things. You want, you want, a, you want a table? I'll give you a tree. You know, like God will give you resource, but you've got to utilize the provision. So when the church gets that, when the, when the seeker gets that, they're, man, they're like, man, what can I do? What can I stretch? I'm feeling stiff. It's because God wants to stretch something on you. That's why you feel unfulfilled all the time. It's because God's trying to stretch you out on something, and you, you're, you're just waiting to feel better, but God's got to stretch you so you can feel better. Look to your neighbor. Just say, just stretch it out. Stretch it out. Can you imagine seeing those waters separate? My Lord. Do we believe this story? Who believes the story of the Red Sea? If we believe the story, do we believe God can do the same in 2022? Well, I've never seen that. Neither did they. <laughs> they never saw it. They were scared. Scared. They were scared because they never seen that. They also never seen Noah built an ark and a flood come that killed all the people. And here's Noah on the boat said, I told you to get on. I told you to get on. I told you the building was coming, says the Lord. I told you if you keep pushing the plow, revival comes. Even PJ says revival once in a while. Like it will come. We're not making this stuff up. It's because we've seen him part the seas and we're calling him to do it again. You can clap for that. Is God's church dead or alive? How do you think it happens? The people. The people. So good. Here's the tension I want to give you in this. Is the moment when they were between the waters resting. Okay, so it takes a lot to go in. But this is the part where the devil wants to go after you is when you're in between still and you've got the water walls on both sides and now you're starting to question if you can get out. Now God sent you into the sea and now you're going to start telling him, what if I can't get out? You waited, you waited, you waited for God to put you in the sea and now you're saying, I don't know if I can get out. And the devil says, well, this, you, you're just crazy, and you're never going to get out of here. And, and people told you not to go in, and you said, no, God sent us in. That's the spot. I call it the barriers of hope live in that window. It's where you've acted in faith now, and you're sitting in this space waiting for kids' rooms to be done. Whoops, did I say that? You're waiting on stuff to happen. You're sitting on the teeter-totter seesaw of the thing that you ask God for, to do as the church. And God says, I'm doing it. And now you're in between the water walls and you're going, I don't know. Can this really happen? They just don't see it. The devil wants to mess with your head. But if God took you in to these waters, of course he can get you out. 
Of course he can get you out. Nate, you were in the Navy. I bet when you go into the water, you got life preservers to get out. You got safety mechanisms to get out. If a man overboard, we're going to get him out. Because when we go into the waters, we know how to get out. Amen? We go into the waters with joy, knowing God's going to take us through and out. That's where my hope's at. That's where hope is actually established, is in that thinking moment. You didn't have time to think about it when the Egyptians were chasing you with the chariots, but now it's quiet. Now you've got the walls going, and you're sitting there looking around. It's like a vacation resort. You're going, I have a moment to actually think, and what am I doing with my life? Is God in this? It's that reflection that God reminds you. Will you get into God's plan today so he can show you he knows your situation? Because every time you stretch, it, God's moving. You know, when you have a, like a surgery, you got to go to a PT. And like when you get like the shoulder surgery, they put the sutures in there and the thing, the thing quits moving. And then they stretch you on another level. Has anybody been stretched by a physical therapist? You ever had like a, a stiff arm? Amen, sister. I feel your pain. Because I bet you when they stretch you, you probably felt like throwing up a couple times. I bet your nerves were twitching, and you're like, this is, this is heck on earth. You know? This is Hades. This is, this is a stretching I didn't sign up for. But you survived, didn't you? And had you not gone through the pain, you never would have got your mobility back. Like, like real stretching has to be uncomfortable. That's the point in between. You're like, did I really need to get this fixed? I could have just gone back to the Egyptians and been a happy slave. At least they gave me internet. But no, I got to go through it to get out of this to really see a change. And that's uncomfortable. I don't like it. I got to do it. That's where your barrier of hope lives, is in between those walls. Every time you stretch... God is moving you closer and closer to the other side of that sea. And you're just so close to him closing those waters back in behind you and being free into the promised land. You're this close. You're this close. That's where hope lives. You'll never experience what dire hope is until you get in between those walls. And guess what? A lot of times there's no one there with you. But Jesus, there's no one there that can experience the walls the same way as you for your situation except Jesus. But if he puts you in, he can draw you out. It's said that the Israelites actually got scared after they came out of the situation. Now, here's God's people. He was, uh, Moses was the superhero. And after they had been saved from the waters, they got scared. That's because through fear, God finds trust. We find trust, excuse me. Through fear, God establishes trust, and through fear, we find the need to trust. You don't, you don't want your mama when you're a baby unless you need her. You're scared, right? You reach out for her. You learn to cry. Camilla has the sweetest little cry at different times for different things. There's like the I'm angry cry. 
There's like, I'm tired cry. There's like, I have a dirty diaper cry. And they're all a little different. And then there's this cry like, I, I don't want you to let go of me cry. Sometimes she wants daddy over mom, but not usually. But sometimes, and then I'll just take it while I can get it. And, and there's this cry. It's because, because even though she's fearful, she knows there's someone who loves her to get her through that. And so as she reaches, she knows by faith, as I stretch out to my father, he will come snatch me up and take me through the aquarium without the stroller. She knows that if, 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 I, if she don't want to ride in that stroller by herself, she knows that daddy or, or Chloe will pick her up and just carry her through. Like this past weekend, we went through an aquarium. It was really cool. And she spent the whole day with me. I know that sounds weird, but... That's not usually the case. She spent the whole day with her dad. I just, I just carried her everywhere I went. And so then what was really cool is by the time I was ready to let her go, she came stretched for me and didn't want her mom. I was like, yes, I like this. Can, can, I, get a, can I get a point for dad, you know? But through fear we find trust. That's a reverent fear. Reverent fear causes trust. The Bible says the beginning, fear is the beginning of wisdom. And I spoke on this. It's not talking about uh, terrified fear. It's talking about reverent fear. Like God is bigger than this, and I don't know how, and I don't, I don't even know why he loves me like this. But I trust him, and I, I am reverently fear to his ways. It's, it's omniscient. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's almighty. Like I am, I am reverent to the Lord because he's my father, and he loves me, and he's so much bigger. And that reverent fear causes trust. And that's what happened to them when they got out of the water. They had that moment to reflect again that they were just scared the night before in between the walls. And now they're out and they're so scared they just were so thankful in the fear. Does that make sense? Like you can live in this fear and then put it before God and have this, this joy come over you. This peace come over you. And that's, that's like the little, the little moment they were in, the little stretch mark they got from that. God will provide a tremendous miracle when we do that. And because God did that for them, he, they, were, they didn't know what to make of it. We've got to get desperate for God's rescue. You've got to get desperate for change. You've got to get desperate to see your church move. You've got to look at it like this is my life. This is my mission I do it, I do it, I do it 24-7. That's how you got to look at your life. I'm not saying you live in the church for 24-7 because that can hurt you too. I'm saying you look at the mission and say, this is my life. This is my purpose to show my children that this is not an occasional thing. This is my life thing. This is what we do with our life, right, Caleb? This is what we do. My son's running the computer. He's 10. Like, he's 11. Sorry, bud. This is what we do. This is what we do because it's our life. We're all called to the, to the tribe of Levi. We're all called. Don't say it's not your tribe. If you're a disciple, it's your tribe. We're Levites. Y'all can stand with me this morning as we close. These pants are a little, a little short. I hope I don't, don't got to be careful how I'm moving these things. <laughs> oh, man. Our need for Jesus has to be the foundation of our existence. And that's when you'll see something happen. You'll see something happen. 
you'll, you'll quit looking at the church as your provider and more so you as the provider to the lost. That's a big difference. Let me say that again. That's good. You'll quit looking at, at the church and the experience as a provider for you, which is important, but now you are a provider for the lost who are outside these walls. And now your whole mission is to draw them in. It's not about one seed. It's about the one seed. That's Jesus Christ getting in the soil of the heart. That's what it's about. That's why our church is called that. We're not trying to separate. We're trying to show what God was. He was the word of God moving upon humanity, giving life to death, to raising them out of the tomb if they so stretch out after him. And he keeps doing that in 2022. Every time you stretch, God is moving. I can tell y'all, I make jokes, but when those chairs came broke, I was angry. It wasn't, I was, I was, remember I told you about the box cutter, me and my brother work, working together when I was a kid. I had a box cutter that day in my hand. I was starting to cut those things. And then they're like, can you unload the trailer? And I said, just, I'll do it. Just give me the pallet jack. Give us our chairs. We got the chairs. They were messed up. And, and I said, we, we went for the best. Is this what you got for us? Is this for God's people? I said, do you really, you really want to give us these chairs and tell us to take a discount on these? Give us the right chairs. You know, I'm, I'm just rambling now. But what I'm saying to you is those little moments can scare you away. You, think, you, you can think, are we building a Ferrari that we don't have a driver for? I'm building a Ferrari, guys. I need drivers. Come on, somebody. We got to drive this thing. Y'all don't get it. Everything's illustrative. Everything's illustrative. Year after year, the plow is moving. We got to get in there together. We're going to see it happen. We're going to see it happen. You know, there's no buildings to buy. We found one. There's no buildings in America for a church, Harley, with a stoplight. We found one. That was God. God did it. He will do it. Touch your neighbor. Tell him he will but you got to stretch it out. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful that we keep stretching in our walk, in our Christian movement, that we're getting more limber and pliable to your ways like the clay you need us to be. And when we lose the tradition and we pick up the relationship, we're gonna see things change. We're gonna see lives touched. We're going to see people come in that you said, why are they here? The same reason we're here, because we're all broken. We want to reach the broken. We want to reach the people hungry. We want to feed people. We don't want the food to go to waste. We don't want to set it on the table and nobody wants it because it's not good enough. We want to give people food who are hungry because they're the ones that are going to change the world because they're willing to stretch. They're willing to stretch. And until you stretch, you're not hungry. And if you stretch, God will make you hungry. God will show you you have an appetite that you didn't even know was down in there because all you've been eating was this junk your whole life. And now God's trying to give you good meat and good food. And finally, when you taste of that, you're going to go, man, I was depleted. I was starving. And now I see a whole new reason for my existence. God, we're thankful for that. We give praise for that. We glorify your name for that because that revelation shall come to anybody who stretches it out. We thank you, Lord. We go into praise right now. And if the house of God can say it together in Jesus' name, amen.